Well, good evening, friend. It's Old Hat. I hope you're doing okay. I had a good day. It was windy here today, and it was hot. It was 85 degrees at some point. It may have got hotter than that. I quit looking. I decided knowing how hot it was made it hotter. <laughs> I was working outside, so I didn't need it to be any hotter. <clears throat> and I don't know what the weather's like where you are. I talked to my friend Lindsay today. I think she's in Michigan. She said it was like 60 degrees there, so it's that's not hot, is it? And so it was a lot cooler somewhere besides Texas today. But if you're in Texas and it was hot where you are, then it was hot where I was. And if you're not in Texas and it wasn't hot where you are, then congratulations. I could use a little bit of your cool weather if you want to send it down here. They say we might get some. We might get a little rain this weekend and cool things off to the 70s, which be all right with me. Especially if I'm working outside. And of course the garden can always use the rain. And I was out in the garden thinking about you. Some of you in particular. Toby, I know you're listening. <laughs> I'm glad you are. And Natala and Jackson and Paisley, I'm glad y'all are listening too. And I bet Lindsay's listening as well. I talked about her already. But lots of friends listening and I'm glad. Tonight I'm going to read you three different things because I couldn't make up my mind. So... <laughs> go. I hope you don't mind. The first one is another dolphin story, and it really is cool because it talks about uh, whether or not they really know how to talk or not when they talk to each other. So I really like that story. So it's the story of Doris and Buzz. Dolphins make many kinds of sounds. They squeak, squawk, squeal, mew, rasp, click, and clack. When they're upset or excited, they even yelp like dogs. <laughs> Most of all, they whistle. But is this really talking, the way people talk? Are they really passing information to each other? Or are they only sharing simple feelings and fears, the way other animals like cats and dogs do? A scientist named Dr. Jarvis Bastian decided to find out. He worked with two dolphins named Doris and Buzz in a tank at the University of California. Dr. Bastian placed four buttons under the water. Two buttons were for Doris, and two buttons were for Buzz. Then he got an old auto headlight. This was his signal. Sometimes, Dr. Bastian turned on the headlight and let it shine steadily. This meant push the right-hand button. Sometimes he let the headlight blink on and off. Then Doris and Buzz were supposed to push their left-hand button instead. Before long, Doris and Buzz learned to watch the light. They pushed down on the correct button with their snouts. Then Dr. Bastian gave them their reward, a piece of fish. He made the experiment harder. The dolphin still had to watch the headlight and push down the correct button, but now Doris had to wait. Buzz had to push his button down first, then it was Doris's turn. If she pushed her button first, neither dolphin got any fish. At first, Doris and Buzz made a few mistakes, but they soon learned how to do this too. Now it was time for the last and most important part of the experiment. Dr. Bastian put a wooden wall across the pool. Doris and her two buttons were on one side of the wall. Buzz and his two buttons were on the other side, but only Doris could see the headlight. Only she could see if it was shining steadily or blinking, and only she could see what the signal was. But Doris had to wait for Buzz to press his button before she could press hers. What would the dolphins do? Dr. Bastian turned on the headlight and watched carefully. Doris stared at it. She looked at her buttons. 
Then she swam close to the wooden wall and began to whistle loudly. For a few seconds, everything was quiet in the tank. Then Buzz whistled back and pressed down one of his buttons. It was the correct one. Now Doris could press her button and both dolphins would get their fish. Again and again, Dr. Bastian turned on the headlight. Sometimes it blinked, sometimes it shone with a steady light. Each time, Doris would look and whistle. Then Buzz would press down the correct button on his side of the wall. Was Doris telling Buzz what to do, or was he just guessing? If so, Dr. Bastian thought, then Buzz was a wonderful guesser. He was right almost every time. The end. I think they talked pretty good. <laughs> I think I think Doris knew what to say, and Buzz understood her, so he pushed the right button. Of course, dolphins really like fish, and they're really smart, so that makes sense. Do you like fish? I do too, but not raw. I don't like raw fish. I like cooked fish. I like catfish a lot, and I like fishing. Do you like fishing? A lot of people like to fish. But I wouldn't fish for a dolphin, though. But I would fish for fish to feed to a dolphin. That would be kind of fun. And I have friends who have gone swimming with dolphins, and I think that's kind of amazing. I've never done that, but that sounds fun. Would you want to do that? Hmm. That's a pretty good story. Well, that's one of the things that I wanted to read you. And the other thing I wanted to read you is because I have a lot of friends who are really missing baseball games. They love baseball. Maybe you love baseball, too. And there's an old story about baseball that's really famous. It's been around a long time. It's by a guy named Ernest Lawrence Thayer, and it's called Casey at the Bat. And it's a good story, and it's also a poem, so it kind of rhymes, and we'll see if I can do it right. Casey at the Bat. It looked extremely rocky for the Mudville Nine that day. The score stood four to six with just an inning left to play. And so, when Cooney died at first and Burroughs did the same, a pallor wreathed the features of the patrons of the game. A straggling few got up to go, leaving there the rest, with that hope that springs eternal within the human breast. For they thought if only Casey could get one whack at that, they'd put up even money with Casey at the bat. But Flynn preceded Casey, and so likewise did Blake. But the former was a pudding, and the later was a fake. <laughs> so on that stricken multitude, a death-like silence sat, for there seemed but little chance of Casey's getting to the bat. But Flynn let drive a single to the wonderment of all, and the much-despised uh, Blakey tore the cover off the ball. And when the dust had lifted and they saw what had occurred, there was Blakey safe on second and Flynn a hug in third. Then from the gladdened multitude went up a joyous yell. It bounded from the mountain top and rattled in the dale. It struck upon the hillside and rebounded on the flat, for Casey, mighty Casey, was advancing to the bat. There was ease in Casey's manner as he stepped into his place. There was pride in Casey's bearing and a smile on Casey's face. And when, responding to the cheers, he lightly doffed his hat, no stranger in the crowd could doubt t'was Casey at the bat. Ten thousand eyes were on him as he rubbed his hands with dirt, Five thousand tongues applauded when he wiped them on his shirt. Then, while the writhing pitcher ground the ball into his hip, defiance glanced in Casey's eye, a sneer curled Casey's lip. And now the leather-covered sphere came hurtling through the air, and Casey stood a-watching in a haughty grandeur there. Close by the sturdy batsman the ball unheated sped. That ain't my style, said Casey. Strike one, 
the umpire said. From the benches, black with people, there went up a muffled roar, like the beating of the storm waves on a stern and distant shore. Kill him! Kill the umpire! shouted someone in the stand, and it's likely they'd have killed him had not Casey raised his hand. With a smile of Christian charity, great Casey's visage shone. He stilled the rising tumult. He bade the game go on. He signaled to the pitcher, and once more the spheroid flew, but Casey still ignored it. The umpire said, Strike two! Fraud! cried the maddened crowds, and the echo answered, Fraud! But the scornful look from Casey, and the audience was awed. They saw his face grow stern and cold. They saw his muscles strain, and they knew that Casey wouldn't let that ball go by again. The sneer is gone from Casey's lip. His teeth are clenched with hate. He pounds with cruel violence his bat upon the plate. And now the pitcher holds the ball, and now he lets it go. And now the air is shattered by the force of Casey's blow. Oh, somewhere in this favored land the sun is shining bright. The band is playing somewhere, and somewhere hearts are light. And somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. Sounds to me like Casey got a little big for his britches, doesn't it? <laughs> Shouldn't let those first two go by. If you get three chances, you ought to take all three of them, seems to me. That's a good old story, though. Hope you liked it. And if you like old stories, that one's pretty, pretty old, right? But here's one from 3,400 years ago, give or take. <laughs> from like 1400 uh, BC. That's a long time ago. I wasn't even around for this one. But it's a story. Uh, it's not really a story. It's a, it's a benediction is what it is. And what a benediction is, if you've been to church and at the end of it, the preacher says something and everybody's quiet and then it's over. Well, that was probably a benediction. And that's what uh, this is. And it's from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And uh, it's the Lord telling Moses what to tell Aaron and his sons to say to bless the children of Israel. And I like it a lot. And I think it's uh, something I wouldn't mind saying to you because I want you to have this kind of blessing too. So this is the benediction to this podcast, which means it's just the end, right? Um, it's, it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I like every bit of that, don't you? You know, that we there are other benedictions in our life that we don't think about that way, but like at night when your mom or dad, dad would say or do say, uh, mine used to say, good night, sleep tight, and don't let the bed bugs bite. <laughs> but that's kind of a benediction at the end of the day, isn't it? So that's what I'm thinking about tonight, and I, I hope that, uh, here's my benediction for you. I hope you sleep well tonight. You've done a good job today. You did a great job all week long, and now you can rest this weekend a little bit, and I hope tonight you're proud of yourself, and I hope you rest well knowing that you've done a good job, and I hope you wake up tomorrow happy and have a great day. Good night.